tonight on Sci-Fi Saturday Night, cooking with the Daleks. Enjoy the recipe that will exterminate your species. We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. From the side room of the Area 51 Jackalope Resettling Bureau, it's once again clickbait for the ears. Welcome to TalkCast 398, this edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight, living the life on higher ground because all it does is rain and snow. I'm your host, the guy who once again passed on the flu shot, and this throat is the result of it. I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, some of the rest of the gang in the Peabody Time Tunnel, Sitting at the Sci-Fi Saturday Night Help Desk and Gaming Pavilion, it's our own prodigious prestidigitator of protons and electrons, that taciturn technical trouble wrangler, the button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdrivering, violent virtuoso, it's Kriana. Who's playing fractals tonight? And in the Dank Dungeons award-winning Department of Electronic Book Reprinting Redundancy at Cyborg University's Reference Library Annex at Crawfordsville, South Arizona Satellite Campus, please welcome Zombrarian. Dome, I cannot talk to you right now. Somebody let out the handy corn Viscount early, and there's a lot going on here. Like, a lot. There's candy corn? There is a giant candy corn monster, and... Oh. I gotta get out the flamethrower. I'll see you later. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, l- let me know if if anything gets hurt, or 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 whatever. Uh, before we get to speaking with with tonight's guest, who's who's a wonderful friend of the show and and someone that I just love having on, uh, I want to take a moment to uh, thank Mr. Terry Thomas and the rest of the folks at Keen Comic Con where we were last weekend for a wonderful, wonderful event. Uh, Great people, uh, all of the people who, who were at, at tables uh, had a great time there. All of the vendors really, really enjoyed themselves. Uh, the ladies from Amphibian were, Press were there. Met a whole bunch of, of new people who, oddly enough, because I met them, are going to be on the show in the next couple of weeks. Um, and, and just proof once again that one of these easygoing, one-day relaxing microcons is really, really a, a, a nice way to spend the day, both from the standpoint of, of the person who's paying $5 admission as opposed to 40 and from the standpoint uh, of the vendors and, and people there who get the chance to talk to people and have a great time. And a great time was had by many. Speaking of a great time, uh, at Granite Con, I bumped into uh, an old friend who has been on the show a number of times, and I have seen her work her way through a number of projects. Uh, 
Gamer Girl and Vixen, which is her current project, is become has just published its first graphic novel. Uh, Christy McDowell has a Bachelor of Arts and is freelance editor uh, for a long time, working with Jay Moore's uh, on Autumn Gray. And something I didn't know, also worked with Andy Yarnotts with I Play the Bad Guy. In, in 2013, she founded Eden Park Tales, co-founded them, so that she could publish her first comic, A Planet's Cry. And in 2014, she co-founded uh, Joy Cat Comics to publish Gamer Girl and Vixen, which was her, her first real passion project, because uh, that's all she talked about for like four months. Christy, welcome back to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Hey, thanks so much for having me back, though. It was so nice to see you at, at GraniteCon. Uh, I missed your smile, first of all, and that wonderful energy that, that you, uh, you bring to conventions and you bring to your work. And it was just so cool to see you so happy about the progression that Gamer Girl and Vixen has gone through, gosh, for what, four years now? Yeah. It's Holy been a. Uh, crap. Yeah, it's been a long time coming, but um, every minute of it is just a delight. So it's well worth the time spent, I think. Okay, for the listener who's living in a cage or a cave or, or, or a pothole somewhere and hasn't seen Gamer Girl and Vixen and hasn't heard me talk about it ridiculously amounts of time, uh, give, us a, uh, give us the elevator pitch on, on what it is. All right. So our elevator pitch, it's love, lesbians, and larceny. Two women meet on the roof <laughs> of New York and decide to use their powers to annoy celebrities. That's an awesome elevator pitch. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's funny that you mentioned the cons earlier because one of my favorite things to do is to shout that across a convention floor. You know? <laughs> it turns some heads sometimes. <laughs> As well it should. What I loved about it uh, from the Kickstarter in 2014 uh, was how well it grabbed an audience right off the bat. And oh. clearly... There, there was an audience for this genre. There was an audience for the kind of artwork that uh, Gemma Moody does uh, that, that really just makes it splash on the page and is a real, uh, it, does, it, it works so well with the story that you have. Um, there, there are times where that doesn't work, and this time it just, flows together almost seamlessly. How did you put this? You, you, you co-created this with Shawnee and Mills and yeah. got Gemma to do the, the art and Taylor Esposito to do the lettering. How'd you bring this team together? Yeah. So, uh, Sean and I are very, very good friends. We've been friends for a very long time. Uh, and we used to do these role-playing games. So the online forum type role-playing games and, uh, we met through those channels and we decided we liked writing together. And uh, it was when Jay and I started collaborating that John was like, Hey, that's like a thing you could do. And I was like, yeah, apparently. So we decided to team up and do this superhero book. We've got a passion for superheroes in general, super villains, um, because you know, you grew up with them. And in my personal, personal experience, it was, not something that I saw myself reflected in all the time. So Gamer on Vixen kind of started from there where it was like, let's tell a superhero story or a super villain story in this particular case. 
that. Uh, well, both talk- actually in this case. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Um, yeah, where it just looks at this very personal side of being superheroes and supervillains, which I've always thought was the most interesting stuff, uh, the stuff that goes on uh, when they're out of their costumes and trying to navigate real life and their secret identities and school and family relationships. Um, so that's what we really wanted to convey was just that feeling of trying to fit it all in together that you kind of get in a college setting where you're on your own for the first time and making your own decisions and not always making the right ones, but then finding the ones that were wrong and then they turn out to be right. Uh, so that was Sean and I's vision for uh, what we wanted to see in a villain book. And what we did is we reached out through the internet. And one of the things that uh, made us choose uh, Gemma over the other applicants was Gemma had sent us this very adorable little fan art of the co- characters. Um, it was very adorable. It was um, just the two of them kind of shouting at each other and in this little PB form. And I said, that's her. That's who I need to pick. So we got her on board. And then Taylor was someone who saw me pitching my initial kit around on Twitter. And he reached out and said, hey, your lettering could be better. Can I do it? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes, you sure can. So uh, we um, we got him onto the team, and it's true what they say. Um, lettering you don't lettering that is bad. You notice it's the lettering that's good that guides you through the story. So um, Taylor really, really, really beefed up our project there and brought it to a level that we weren't able to do on our own. So it's huge to have them on, bo- on board. And uh, it was just nice to get that kind of recognition, you know, Hey, I saw you on the internet. I like your project. I want to be a part of it. Yeah. That's a terrible thing when that happens, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> when you and Sean in 2014 were putting together the, the, the Kickstarter book and putting together the story for that, um, Did you at that point write or at least envision an arc beyond that first book? You know, on some level we did. Um, We definitely wanted to put some things in book one that could branch into something else, whether it was um, stories about the hero of that particular book or whether it was doing any kind of the mini or uh, mini cute comics that we were doing at the same time. So we wanted to be able to kind of keep using these characters and kind of build this little universe. Um, but it was after we finished volume one that Sean and I just said, that was fun. Let's do this again. And uh, we started conceiving of the next story and thinking what build up, you know, what little things that we leave in volume one that we knew we wanted to explore further in volume two. Were there any um, things, were there things that the characters did in volume one that they maybe have to deal with the consequences of now? Um, so we bounced those ideas around and uh, finally put together an outline that we're really happy with for a volume two that I think is going to really elevate the, uh, you know, the sense of urgency, the sense of danger for the characters, because Right now, they've, you know, been dealing with their hero, who is kind of on the same level as they are, very new, uh, doesn't know exactly what to do with himself as 
he faces off these two kind of whimsical partnered girls. Um, but then what happens next that what can happen when that builds and turns into something new. And that was really what led to volume two being conceived that we wanted to explore some of these characters again, but in a place where they really need to step up their game and be able to deal with the, the bigger problems of the city that they're right now just kind of playing around in. And at the same time, the characters themselves are, are stepping up their game. The creators also have to step up their game because the characters gain some complexity. The stories gain some complexity. Uh, and, and in doing so, you run the risk of, of turning this into a, a superhero book instead of a, uh, a relationship book. And yet you don't. Right. Um, so it's funny that you mentioned kind of leveling up as far as the creation of book two is we're actually building the team up a little bit bigger this time around so that we have, um, we really now that we've made a volume one and have had that be so successful that we want to really chase volume two and say, all right, what did we learn with volume one? What do we want to do again? What don't we want to do again? As far as the actual creation of the book and telling that story, but also marketing and also, learning towards doing something else with the franchise and making maybe making Joy Cat Comics a little bit bigger. So we uh, hired Jameson Alcorn, who is a very, very good friend of mine who I worked with, and he has now started to go freelance as far as his editing skills. He's got a Kickstarter right now that has already made its goal and is still climbing called uh, The Pump Crawl. And we talked so much about comics and he really liked Gamer Girl and Dixon and said, you know, if I, whenever I'm ready to make a volume one, he wants to help out. So he, you know, we reached out to him and he's been very, very awesome already with really getting us organized and talking about what we want to do to succeed. And it's been making a real difference in our product so far. So we're really happy with him. Well, the fact that you've now got uh, a, a, a brand joy cat comics that that has uh some uh, a very very viable commodity in gamer girl and vixen it the the obvious move at this point is to bring something new in to the franchise which leads me to the question what else is going on all right so <laughs> uh, so what's going on in uh, in volume two a little sneak peek Sure. Yeah. So uh, volume two, we're definitely raising the stakes. We have uh, Gamer Girl and Vixen are up to their old tricks again, planning their next heist. But obviously that the there is a uh, very big ending where they now have to deal with all of a sudden this fame that they've got. And now they're competing with other villains and heroes in the city. And it's all done through social media. So you've got them not only battling heroes and villains, on the rooftops, but now you've got them battling online and you get these really great arguments and fights between them and really starts to play in on the fact that they're college girls in today's society. And I don't often see comics do a great a job as involving that and getting that in there. I think uh, Wicked and the Divine did a really excellent job with it. But, you know, I think that what would happen in a modern day society where suddenly people were developing powers 
would they really be the take over the worlds or save the world types? Or would they be doing it for the clicks and the likes? So volume two really explores that social aspect of their burgeoning abilities. So you've got volume two coming out. You've got the, what possessed you to go for a, a graphic novel kind of hardcover or, or graphic novel design uh, for the first series? Yeah, so we actually did Gamer Girl and Vixen Volume 1 kind of in two parts. Um, we did a Kickstarter for the floppy books by themselves before we even considered doing the graphic novel, just to see if there was an audience for it. And uh, the response was overwhelming. We were only trying to fund two, two chapters, but we ended up being able to fund three. So we were able to get those out as kind of teasers and um, getting them into people's hands and kind of the developing fan base that built up around even just that is what catapulted us to doing the graphic novel uh, when we did. And the success of that is absolutely from the, our kind of our, our fan base. We've got a really grassroots, very dedicated group out there that really likes us and what we do. When uh, you're at conventions or, or, and stuff like that, um, and people come up to you and go, I really, really like your book. Or how, how are they reacting if they've already got the book? So, you know, I'm actually really very pleased with that. I, I kind of took a little bit of a break from conventions for the first half of the year, but I uh, went out like gangbusters uh, just the latter half of con season. And uh, it was really at Ladies Con this year that I had people come back and they're like, welcome back where's your next book where you know when is it coming out we need to know what happens next and that was amazing we have never experienced anything quite like that before i'd bumped into people who i had either shared with or um you know swapped but like legitimate readers and you know somebody who, who bought it took it home loved it remembered who i was the next year it's kind of cool, isn't it? It's really cool. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was the, the kind of the fuel to the, uh, to the fire again, because it was, oh, it isn't just me making kind of the kind of stories that I want to read because I want to read them. I'm making the kind of stories that I want to read because other people want to read them. That's really it, cool. There's kind of a solitary... Uh, uh, arc that, that the writers and the artists have in putting this together. They don't actually, you know, you don't work in, in a public venue. And, and unless you have something like uh, um, where you're sending out stuff on, on a daily or a weekly or a monthly basis to like Patreon, uh, you're not getting an awful lot of uh, daily, weekly, monthly interaction and feedback so you right. know for, from a convention point of view um i know for me it's like seeing you and i just kind of went ah and it brought back like every cool thing that you and i have done for four years and and how much i missed seeing that smile and missed seeing how much fun you have doing what you do um you know, so it's one of the best reasons that these small conventions and these small and mid-sized conventions are perfect for 
creative talent as well as for people who are just getting into certain things to get to interact with writers and artists and stuff like that. Yeah, there was, no, there was no freaking question there, was there? <laughs> yeah. so, I uh, I really love the the small shows, and don't get me wrong, like I've paid with Boston Comic Con. I did Flame Con uh, last year, which was humongous and so cool. But man, it's the ladies' cons, the granite cons, the team Comic Cons. Those guys that are just such a delight um, because it brings a whole different clientele in and. You know, those are the people who really want to get that meet and greet and who really want to talk the projects and, you know, not just you know, get the signature and get out, but they really want to talk about where these things come from and how you do it. And the especially the indie comic scene is very, very open and welcoming. And anytime anybody has any questions about anything from art to story to publishing to funding, you know, we are all a very, very tight knit group. So on top of getting out there and interacting with the fans. It's also getting out there and inter interacting with my family, my con family. I met you at Boston Comic-Con way before. <laughs> I, even that's started. very true. Yeah. You know, and, and again, I, it, it, it saves us the issue of having to reinvent the fucking wheel all the time. Yeah. Somebody out there has been there, knows what you're up against and it's figured out how to do it. Yep. And it's funny to compare that to, Kind of the professional side of comics where um some of that mentality is you know once somebody finds a way in they close it back up and the indie <laughs> comic community is not like that at all it's uh you know we're all in it together we all cross work together um i worked with at granite state comic-con that was my first real con back in action and it was josh Dahl who reached out he's like hey you're not doing any shows this year and i'm like yeah you know just not feeling it and then he was like, well, me and Johnny C are getting a table and you're going to join us, okay? And I was like, okay. And then I Oh, had, if I must. <laughs> group, you know, um, I had a really, really good time. It was just a cool experience. I never tabled with other people like that I had planned to. You know, I've done half tables and things like that, but we had a really cool setup. We had a, such a good time. We shared each other's comics. You know, the whole thing was coming down and read a comic, any comic. We wanted to have the biggest variety so we could have the biggest amount of people who could just enjoy us at our time. And it was a really great interaction. So now that you're working on the second incarnation of the supervillain lesbian love story to, to, to save the world, and, and damn, it's wonderful. What else is Joy Cat Comics I mean, you've got a whole bunch of talented people around there. Is anything else going on with them? Not specifically with Joycat Comics. Uh, Sean and I had a conversation very recently uh, saying that, you know, Gamer Girl and Dixon is kind of our flagship, and we really want to kind of solidify them and their world first. Um, we would very much like to do other projects. I know Sean and I both have other different things, not just set in the Gamer Girl and Dixon universe, but just stories that we want to be able to tell. And having our own kind of umbrella to be able to do that is a really, it's just, it's neat to know that Joycat Comics can be bigger than just you. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, it gives us the opportunity to work with other artists and other storytellers. And, you know, we're, we did 
Gamer Girl and Dixon Volume One, and we had just the the three of us. And now Sean and I are we're still doing the writing. We've got Jameson, who is going to be our editor. Uh, Gemma has commitment issues um, as far as um, she really wants to work on her her big project and that's you know her skyline city heroes and it's a cool project and she really wanted to have time to do that so we are uh in the process of we're we're narrowing down the search and i can't wait to announce who our next artist is going to be but that's going to be the real trick to see you know how does this book uh change and evolve once you start getting some different people creatively into the project and when it's time to announce who the new artist is going to be you're going to do it here, right? Oh, you bet. I can't wait. <laughs> no, you know I will. This was the uh, this is the place where it kind of all started when I was working with Jay. And then when I was doing Gamer Girl and Dixon and doing all the other projects that I've done, it's been through you and, guys. And you wrote your first short story for us. I did, yep. My Peculiar Family Volume 1 was uh, my first uh, so far and only prose story out there. So... Uh, that was a super fun project to do. I really loved the theme of it. It was a great challenge to have those uh, pictures and just a very short description to really dive into a different kind of story for me. I've never done really kind of that gothic horror, gothic magic kind of a feel, and it was a real fun project to do. And from my standpoint, it was fun watching all you guys doing it, too. And it was just, you know, from my own standpoint, it was just Ah, we get to do this all together, and it's cool. Uh, Christy, I I can't tell you how much fun it is to have you on, how much fun it is to see how far things have come, the kind of success that you've had, how hard you've had to work for it to get it, and to see the smile on your face and knowing that you're having fun with it. Oh, yeah. It's a dream come true. I mean, I've never wanted to do anything except work in comics. So to be able to do it on my own and to work with people that I choose to work with and that I get to um, really own it from top to bottom is just it's better than I could have imagined when I was and, a kid. And, and in the end result, the, 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 the quality of the product is a direct reflection of how much you love it and Gosh, it's fun. The The book is Gamer Girl and Fixin'. It's now available in trade paperback. We're looking toward volume two and whatever else comes from that amazingly smiling mind of yours. Christy, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, thanks for having me, Dom. It's always a pleasure. Kriana, hit the music. Kriana, hit the music. Or I will just do the ending all on my own. There we go. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Rathacon, Teen Comic Con, Plastic City Comic Con, Books and Foods, and Comic Archives. Visit ComicArchives.com for some of the best deals on original art and other artists. If you're looking for a really great gift book for the coming Halloween holidays, it's simple to sci-fi that is I'm